Good morning, church family. What a way to start worship, right? That is so awesome. Our first kids did such a great job uh, with that song. So good to see you this morning. Uh, hopefully it's going to cool off in the next couple of weeks outside. It's kind of warm. So glad you're here with us. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you here. Please fill out one of these blue cards. We'd like to know more about you and come visit you at your home and, and, and get to know your family. Also, if any of you have a prayer request, put that on a blue form. Uh, we will collect those at the end of the service and we will pray for you throughout the week and the weeks to come. Let's uh, continue in worship as we look forward to do the Lord's Supper together uh, this morning as we prepare our hearts for that moment. Uh, So let's pray. Father, we thank you for our children. Children that are learning about you and and singing about you and, and leading in worship. Lord, we take a few moments right now just to examine our own hearts as As we take the the bread and the cup and remember your crucifixion and your resurrection. Father, the price that you paid for our sin. Forgive us for those moments where we don't follow you. Lord, and continue to lead us as, as godly parents, husbands, mothers, fathers, wives. Lord, as we all serve you in our own way, the path that you've given us. Lord, today, this morning, together, we give you our attention. As we look into our hearts and seek you with everything in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Ryan has called us to focus on the Lord this morning as we begin our time of celebrating the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And as we begin uh, this time, we want to make sure that we're ready to receive the Lord's table. And we remind ourselves of what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his first letter to the Corinthians, where he said, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself we can say what is an how do we make sure that we're worthy what is an unworthy manner well to be in a worthy manner to receive the lord's table you want to make sure that you have a relationship with the lord jesus christ that you are a born again believer of the lord jesus christ because when you partake of the bread and the cup you're saying yes this is the body of christ that was broken for me and i believe that he Broke his body was broken for me. I believe that his blood was shed for me. I trust him as my Lord and Savior. And so the first way to be worthy is to be a born again, baptized believer who's walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Once that's in check, the other thing that needs to be correct is that there's no unconfessed sin in your life. That you're right with God today, right now, and you're ready to receive the Lord's Supper. And then also... Making sure that you're right with others. Making sure that there's no harboring of anger. There's no unforgiveness. But that you're right with others as well. And so as we begin this time. And as we go through these elements. And as you take them. And as you hold them. And wait for everyone to receive them. Do that introspection. Think about your life. Think about your relationship with the Lord. Think about your relationship with others. And make sure that you're ready to receive. When you take 
that bread, and then when you take that cup. The message today is, uh, later on today, is from the Gospel of Luke. And so I thought we would look at Luke's passage about the Lord's Supper as we begin today. As uh, it came time for the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover, Jesus gave his disciples commands of what they should do to go into town, find a certain place. And they made those arrangements. And then we find them meeting together for the Passover. It says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. When I saw that statement reflecting on this again, I have eagerly desired to eat this with you. Jesus eagerly desires to be with us. He's eager for us to join today and to remember what he did for us. Are you as eager to join him at the table as he is to join you at the table? And then he continues, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus saw in these common everyday elements symbols of what he was about to do. In the bread, the unleavened bread, he saw his perfect sacrifice, his Sinless life being offered for the people in the in the way that it was broken. He saw what would take place to his body in that cup of wine. He saw the deep, dark, red, crimson blood that he would shed in just a few hours. And he said to all about all of it. Do this in remembrance of me. As we partake of the Lord's Supper, there's nothing magical that happens. This is just bread. This is just grape juice. But it. The power is in the symbol. The power is in the meaning that we give as we take and we remember what Jesus did. As we take that bread and we remember his body broken. As we take that cup and we remember his blood shed. Not just for random people out there, but for you and for me. Jesus somehow, because he was God, knew about you and me on that very night. Isn't it a wonderful thing that he gave his life for us? As often as we sin, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so as we partake of this supper this morning, may we remember all that the Lord did. The first thing that he took that night was he took the bread and he gave it and he said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, I remind you, as you take this and you hold it and you reflect, remember all that he did for you. Gentlemen.
Jesus said, take this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, it says that he took the cup and he gave it to all of his friends and he said, take this is my blood shed for you. It's going to be shed for you and for everyone so that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. As you hold the cup, remember that there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood to bring salvation to you and to the entire world.
Jesus said, take and drink. This is the new covenant of my blood. This do in remembrance of me. May we go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for us. We thank you, God, for what you did for us. But Lord, we thank you that it didn't end on the cross, but that today you are alive and well because three days later you rose from the dead. And so, Lord, we declare you as our risen and victorious king today. We crown you with crowns, we celebrate your greatness, and we proclaim with all the angels that are gathered around your throne today that you are holy, holy, holy. Thank you, God, for your presence with us. May we exalt you in our worship now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and declare how great our God is.
And when's the last time you just told the Lord, God, you are great. And I don't mean during a worship service or anything like that. I mean, just during the week, God, you are great. Thank you for whatever. God, you are amazing. I just can't believe how great you are. If you hadn't done that lately, maybe you should stop and do that. Just tell God how great he is. Amen. He is a great God. He constantly gives. He constantly blesses us with goodness. Let's crown him with many crowns.
Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful this morning you had just blessed us so much. How we can remember how you shed your blood on the cross, Father, for our sin. And we thank you for it, Father. It's such a blessing to belong such a, to such a loving church family, Father. It's, it's just so wonderful to be able to gather in your house, Father, and worship you. And Father, this morning, I want to lift up the many thousands of families in our state that are suffering this morning. Father, they've, they've lost their homes. They've lost their belongings. Father, their, their life is in shambles. Uh, many have lost their businesses and, and have even lost their churches, Father, to this flood that has occurred in our state. And we just ask that you be with each one of those, Father, and just put your arms around them and love them. Father, just lead and guide them. And, Father, in weeks and months and years to come, they're going to have to make some important decisions on how to restore their lives. And we just pray that you help them make those decisions, Father. This morning, Father, everything that we have, you have provided. And it's time now that we give a portion back to your service. So I pray that you be with the gift and the giver. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
Don't you appreciate the choir? Children's choir, preschool, youth choir. It's wonderful. The reason we put emphasis on that is when you look in Scripture, there's a lot of spiritual battle takes place in praise and worship. And that's important. And so these are the front line here of the battle, marching into battle with the song. And so thank you all so much for leading us in worship. There was a little boy who went over to a pastor's house and the pastor was doing some carpentry work and the boy just kind of stood there and watched him for a little while. And uh, the pastor, you know, was getting a little proud thinking, hey, this kid wants to learn something from me. And so finally, just out of curiosity, the pastor stopped and he asked, well, little boy, are you trying to pick up some pointers on how to build something? And the little boy said, "Uh, no, sir, I'm just waiting to see what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. People are watching, right? There's one restaurant that Rebecca and I will go to and that if a certain waitress gets us or even if she walks by the table, she'll say, you're that preacher I saw on TV. I don't know where she saw me on TV other than maybe a commercial like years ago. But I always think, got to be nice and tip high. (laughs) People are watching, but they're not just watching preachers. They're watching you as well. Uh, Kids are watching you. Every parent and grandparent knows this, how our kids are watching us and they're recording what we do. Uh, Just last week, it's not even our own kids. Just just last week, there was another, there was a kid as we were exiting the church Sunday that said, hey, I saw you helping that old lady across the street. And I'm like, when was I helping a little old lady across the street? And he said, When we were at, you were in the parking lot at Moe's and that truck stopped. I was in that truck. I went, yeah, I was helping my grandma across the street last Sunday. I had forgotten it, but that little boy saw it. Kids are watching us. Fellow believers are watching you. It's not just the preacher that lives in a glass house. Sunday school class members watch each other. Church members watch deacons. Everybody watches Everyone, I got a text this week from one of our youth parents that said that she had passed a wreck with her daughter and a friend and and the girls immediately recognized one of the people involved in the wreck was a friend who's an atheist. And they said, we need to pray. And they started praying right then. And the mom said how proud she was to see them responding to the spirit's guidance in that moment. You know, sometimes the fellow believers that are watching us are in our own family. People are watching us. Sometimes non-Christians are watching you as well. A lot of times non-Christians are watching you. On on Tuesday night, Rebecca and the boys and I had supper with one of my mentors uh, after the E4 preaching conference. And we were at um, a restaurant in the area. And when the waitress came to the table, uh, I'm trying to get in the habit of, of asking the waitress if there's something we can pray for them about. And so I said, we're we're going to pray over our meal in a little while. When we do, is there something that, that we could pray for you about? And this waitress didn't even miss a beat. She said, yes, I'm, I need you to pray for safety. I'm flying to Miami with a friend I've never flown before, and I'm scared. And so we chatted for a brief moment to find out enough that, that she probably... Uh, may not be a believer. And so I said, we'd, we'd love to pray for you in a little bit, you know, before we get our food. And she said, well, well, when you pray, could, could I be here? And I said, well, absolutely. And so sure enough, when she, she brought our salads, we said, okay, we're going to pray. And so she said, okay. And she knelt down right there by our table and, and my mentor friend prayed for the meal. I was very much aware at that meal that that waitress was going to be watching us. 
I mean, we distinguished ourselves and she was watching. Non-Christians are watching you. People are watching you at home. People are watching you at work. They're watching you at the ball field. They're watching you at school. They're watching you at church. They're watching you online. They're watching you at the gym. People are watching you everywhere. And the question is, what are they seeing? And what are they seeing you do that's causing them to do something? Our selfie for today is watch yourself. Now, you might be saying, well, Stuart, you've been talking about people watching us. What's that have to do with watch yourself? Well, a lot. Our text is Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. And I'd invite you to turn there in your copy of God's Word if you haven't already. And our text is only three little verses. But these verses carry a strong warning for us. Jesus is speaking to his disciples And he says, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. There's an important question raised in this These verses, people are watching you, but are you worthy of the watch? Jesus begins this statement by saying things that cause people to sin are bound to come. They're going to come, but don't you be one of them. Don't you be one of the things that causes them to sin. Temptations and stumbling blocks are everywhere. We saw last week in talking a little bit about the enemy. First Peter 5, 8 says that the, the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So he's always going to be putting stumbling blocks in people's paths. He's always going to be trying to tempt people and, and destroy them. The devil is relentless. He puts those temptations in all of our paths. Christian and non-Christian alike. But if you are a believer, Jesus says, don't you dare let him use you as that stumbling block. Don't you be the cause for someone to fall into sin. This warning is for everyone, from preachers to deacons to pew sitters. And it's all throughout Scripture as well, not just here in this passage. Consider what Malachi has to say to some of the preachers of his day. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge and from his mouth men should seek instruction because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. The preachers, the priests of that day were not worthy of the watch. We say, well, that's preachers. What about regular old church people? Well, Paul had a lot to say about y'all. He talked about y'all in first Corinthians. The Corinthians were struggling with an issue. You may remember about eating meat sacrificed to idols. Now, the Christians knew that's just barbecue. There ain't nothing special about that meat. But the other people, the non-believers who believed it to be special for worship, they didn't know that. And there were other people who thought, well, if that meat's even for sale, then it's been consecrated. So if you buy it, you might be supporting that uh, pagan ministry. And so Paul says, look, we know it's nothing. We know it's just meat, but they don't know that. And so he gives them some instructions. He says in 1 Corinthians 8, 9, be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. 
Eating meat's no big deal. But if it could cause a weaker brother to stumble, don't eat the meat. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 8, 13, Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause him to fall. Why was that? It was just meat. But Paul didn't want to become a stumbling block to a weaker brother who didn't know that it was just meat. Everywhere you go, people are watching you. Kids, believers, non-believers, are you worthy of the watch? Jesus says, you better be. Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. We say, woe? Yes, woe. Because, number two, failure to be worthy of the watch is tragic. Woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. But woe is something you never want God to say about you. Right? Because what's about to come after the but woe is not good. And did you notice how strong God's words are here? It would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a millstone thrown around your neck than for you to cause someone else to sin. A millstone picture captures that a a large stone used for grinding. And so Jesus is exaggerating here. You know what? Tie yourself up to one of those and just throw yourself overboard. Let the sharks come eat you because that's how serious this is. We think, man, self Failure to be worthy of the watch is tragic. If that scares you a bit, that's good because it scares me. But think about what people say. Well, the deacon did it. Well, my daddy did it. Well, my mama did it. Well, my teacher did it. Well, my coach does it. My aunt does it. My Christian friend does it. You see the danger? Because people are watching us. Don't you dare let what you do cause someone else to sin. That can be how you control or don't control your anger. How you control or don't control your words. How you treat other people. How you act. It can be what you put into your body. Drinks, drugs, food. It can be how you treat other people. Prejudiced or not. Prideful or not. Respectful or not. All kind of things are being influenced and we must be worthy of the watch. I've, I've told this story before, but I, I, I haven't told the last part of it. I was coming home from Sam's one day a, a year or two ago and as I pulled onto I-49 from Broadway, this, this truck wheeled up by me and honked real loud and, and I kept on going. I realized they were ticked off and apparently maybe I cut them off. I'm not sure. Probably so the way I drive. And so they, they wheeled out on, onto the side of me and pulled up beside and, and you know, I'm just, I looked up ahead and I saw the window roll down beside me and I saw this guy reaching around his wife and he was pointing to heaven with a special finger and telling me some, some things that I'm sure were, were a blessing. And, um, so I, I I sped up to kind of get ahead of them and just still focus. You know, I don't I don't see this what's happening over here. And and so they end up that just ticked them off. They got right on my bumper and they were trying to get around me. When I exited on the 28, 
Uh, they kept following me, and I'm like, great. And so uh, so as we get to every stoplight, I'm like trying to make sure my car is not where they can be beside me. So they'd at least be behind me. And and I was determined that if they wanted to follow me all the way to Mississippi, we were going to Mississippi that day. <laughs> and and I was watching it, and they're just, I mean, any time I could just, the truck's just doing this on my bumper and trying to get around. And, and I'm like, oh, man, I may get shot, whatever. But um so we get up finally to around uh, Pinehurst and, and the, the car wheels, the truck wheels in front of me. And I see, and then they're just giving it to me, you know, while they pass. But then what I see in the back window is this little seven-year-old kid with a piece of paper with curse words written on it. And he's giving me the what for as well. They pulled off and turned around and I couldn't help but think that idiotic, irate dad is raising an idiotic, irate kid. Forget what the dad was mad about. Forget what kind of son that he is raising. Somebody is watching. And they're going to mimic what we do. It'd be better for you to be tie a millstone around your neck and thrown into the sea than cause one of these to stumble. I know you may not think that what you're doing is near as bad as that, and it, it may not be. But the way you prioritize or don't prioritize God in your family life is watched by your children. Even a matter of scheduling. If you're compromising, you're going to cause them to sin. And it'd be better for you to be thrown overboard. When your friends see you cut corners at, at work and then they follow you and do the same, it'd be better for you to be thrown into the sea. We could go on and, and on, but I can imagine you're kind of thinking what I was thinking as I was reflecting upon this. Let's just move on to the next topic. Because this is such a serious thing. People are watching us. So how do we avoid that? I, I know, I, I don't know about you, but I really don't want to be chunked overboard. And so to be worthy of the watch, here's where we meet the meat. You must watch yourself. Verse 3 is poignant, and it's pointed, and it's simple. So watch yourselves. Throughout the New Testament, we find reasons we need to watch ourselves. For one, we, we show that we're living for God when we watch ourselves. First John 2.10, whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. There's that idea of stumbling again. We show that we're living for God when we watch ourselves. Also, when we watch ourselves, we realize that we will have to give an account to God. Romans chapter 14, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Stop worrying about everybody else and worry about you. Don't look at the speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye. Look at the log that's coming out of your eye, Jesus said. Because you're going to have to give an account. And when you stand before God, you're not going to be able to say, but they did this and they did that. God's going to say, what did you do? You're going to have to give an account. I'm going to have to give an account. And also, we want to watch ourselves because we don't want to fall into sin. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples remember Jesus said, stay here and pray while I go over here and pray. And they, they, they started praying, dear Lord, thank you. They went right to sleep. Jesus comes to them and he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation 
The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. No matter how much we say, I want to live for God, I want to live for God, I want to live for God. The spirit's willing, but the body is weak. The temptations are going to come, and so we have to watch ourselves, and we have to pray so that we don't fall victim into sin. We don't want to fall into sin. We also watch ourselves because we want to point people in the right direction. Paul was charging his young apprentice Timothy, and he says in 1 Timothy 4.16, Watch your life. And your doctrine closely. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. See how important that is? Watch yourself. Because those others are watching you. And if you go in the wrong direction, they're going to go in the wrong direction. If you go in the right direction, they're going to go in the right direction. We want to point people in the right direction. You must watch yourself. The Apostle Paul understood the need to do so. There's probably nobody lived the Christian life better than the Apostle Paul. But look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 through 10. Just listen to this. He says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. He's saying the same thing Jesus taught. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. In purity, understanding, patience, and kindness. In the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. In truthful speech and in the power of God. With weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Through glory and dishonor. Bad report and good report. Genuine yet regarded as impostors. Known yet regarded as unknown. Dying and yet we live on. Beaten and yet not killed. Sorrowful and yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making many rich. Having rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. It didn't matter if it had to do with his schedule. How life was going. If he was beat up or encouraged. If he was speaking. If he was dealing with finances. Whatever it was. He was watching him. Himself, so that his ministry wouldn't be discredited and he wouldn't be a stumbling block. You have to be vigilant in watching yourself. I have to be vigilant in watching my, myself. In fact, there are other passages in the gospel where Jesus says a similar thing to what he says right here in Luke 17. Some parallel passages. And one of those, actually in two of them, Jesus gets really, really, really specific. And he talks about how vigilant we need to be. In Matthew 18, verses 6 through 9, just as a way of example, he says, If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. And we think, wow, that's just what we just read in Luke. But then Jesus goes on. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have your two hands and two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Jesus is being serious there. He's saying we need to be vigilant. Now, is he saying that's literally what we need to do? God, I hope not because none of us would have hands, feet, or eyes. Right? I mean, if we're honest, we would all have cut off everything a long time ago. But Jesus is saying that's how vigilant you need to be about sin in your life. Not just that you don't need to call somebody to sin. But you just need to be tied up to a millstone and thrown in the water. But if you find yourself sinning, deal with it and get rid of it. Why is watching yourself so important? Because, write this down, no one can watch you but you. 
You say, everybody, I thought you said everybody's watching me. Yeah, they are. But nobody can watch you but you. Only you can really watch you. Because only you is with you 24, seven, 24 days, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for all of your life. Who you are when no one is looking impacts who you are when someone is looking. And so that's why you've got to watch. It's in the private, in the private moments in which you need to watch yourself so that you can become the person who is worthy of the watch. So how's your walk with God? That basic underlying foundation of your Christian walk. How are you spending time with him on a daily basis? Watch yourself. You can't have power to live for God if you're not spending time with God. You've got to have that time with God. How's your thought life? Are you letting your mind wander in directions that you shouldn't? What kind of thoughts are you harboring? Greed, prejudice, unforgiveness, lust. What's in there? Watch yourself. Because what's in the mind will come out in the life. You've got to take every thought captive. What's going on when no one is looking? Are you dabbling in sin? If so, stop it. Cut it off. Get rid of it. Gouge it out. There's no other way to say it. Is there something that you know you need to deal with in your life? Then deal with it. Don't, don't just let it linger. Even if it's hard, you say, you know what? This is hard, but I've got to, I've got to do this. Get rid of it. Watch yourself. As we think about this passage this morning, I want us to spend some time in introspection. We, we spent time remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we, we declared him as our king and we declared him as holy. We said we want to praise him because of all that he's done. Well, one of the ways that we praise him is how we live our lives. And by bringing people into the kingdom. And one of the people, ways we bring people into the kingdom is by encouraging them to come into the kingdom by the difference they see in our lives. And so as we go to the Lord this morning and prepare for a time of invitation and response, may we seek him Now, just making your lap, your altar and going before God. Is there something that you need to get right with him this morning? Is there something that you need to just get rid of? Is there something you need to deal with and then lay it at his feet this morning? Is there something that that is holding you back, keeping you from being the witness you need to be? Then get rid of it. And pray, Lord, help me to watch myself. So we go to the Lord in prayer right now, just uh, seek him. Lord, we come before you this morning knowing that you place great expectations on your people. And Lord, we want to meet those expectations. Lord, help us to submit ourselves to you and to really watch ourselves in the quiet places so that we can be worthy of the watch. Lord, we submit ourselves to you asking that you will come in and cleanse us. Lord, maybe there are some things that need to be cut off and gouged out of our lives and we open those up to you today. Lord, whatever it is, reveal it to us so that you can be free to use us to glorify you. Lord, for those in this room who have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that today would be the day when they come to salvation. 
Lord, even in this moment, I pray that you'd help them to see their need for you. And, and Lord, they would even pray right now, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I come before you. I receive the forgiveness that you offered that we celebrate today. I submit myself to you as my Lord. And I'm going to follow you from this day forward. Lord, I pray for others in this room who are looking for a church home and and you've you've been nudging them. You've been encouraging them. And Lord, they feel you calling them to be a part of this church. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to step out and, and make that decision today. There may be others who you're calling to specific ministry tasks and vocations. There may be others who just need to come to the altar and, and lift up their burdens before you. I pray, Lord, that this would be a sweet time where your spirit is free to reign and move. So, God, we pray that we do business with you now as we say, have your way in us. Lord, you're the potter, we're the clay. Do whatever you want. We submit ourselves to you in this time, and we pray this in Jesus' name. As we stand and sing, may this song be your prayer today. Lord, take me, shape me, use me. What needs to come out, take it out. What needs to be put in, put in. What needs to be changed, change it. But this is the time to make those decisions for the Lord.